Welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, business, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. Today we will be discussing teaching, how to become a teacher, and why you might consider a career in teaching. With me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about your second career. Um, In some ways, you might be just as well known as a teacher as you are as an artist. And I wanted to know, how did you get into teaching? Um, Okay, well, it does go a little ways back. And I... um I do have a, a master's of, uh, in fine art, an MFA, which enables me to teach at the university level. So I was um, an adjunct instructor at University of Wisconsin for, it was quite a few years, maybe seven or eight years back in the late 80s, early 90s. And uh, that was actually a really good background for what I do now, which is workshop teaching, because I, I really learned a lot about how to be organized and convey information and there but there was quite a gap between when I stopped doing the adjunct work and started teaching workshops there were a couple of short summer things I did around the same time I was at the university uh, little workshops but I really just didn't think of it or do it for a long time and then in I think it was 2009 I was invited to kind of out of the blue to teach uh, my first workshop, and this was in um, uh, Rochester, New York, and I honestly drew a blank about what I was going to teach, <laughs> and I I thought, well, abstraction, maybe, but that seemed a little vague, and so uh, a friend of mine said, well, what about that wax that you use? Wouldn't that be interesting to people? I thought, mm, yeah, well, I guess so, you know, so <laughs> I... Uh, kind of dove into my notebooks and tried to put together some content and uh, it was a two-day class and I didn't know if I'd have enough for two days so started out like that like really basic short workshop and then it grew. So you came to it having already had some teaching experience uh, at the university level. Um, what, what, did you notice big differences in kind of the context of a workshop versus a university setting? Oh, yeah, a lot. I mean, uh, there's a lot of differences because usually uh, university students would be younger, you know, obviously. what the, the sort of the demographic that takes workshops tends to be people, older people um, who have either retired or they're nearing retirement, they have extra income, they have some time. And so they're coming to a workshop very, very focused. They've probably spent quite a bit of money to get there. And they're they're really committed. And they're the other thing, uh, workshops are short, intensive times. When you teach at the university, you, you know, you spread over a whole semester. So things unfold in a way different way. And you also have to you know, you have to grade people (laughs) in college. And I always found that really hard. So it's a a relief at a workshop to have nothing like that in the air. And it's, um, yeah, it's quite different the way you have to organize things, knowing you only have a few days to present the material. Did did you enjoy having students for a longer period of time and being able to watch them kind of progress and mold them in that way, though? Absolutely. Yeah, that 
that's the really interesting part about working with people over a whole semester or even, you know, sometimes people would come back the next semester for a different class or something. And yeah, getting to know them. Um, it was really interesting sometimes to see how people opened up and developed because it's at a time of life when, you know, it's there's a lot of information being taken in and a lot of energy for it. Well, and of course, students are, are also paying quite a bit to, oh, they are. to be working with you in a university <laughs> setting. That is true, too. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I probably might have kept on with university teaching, but, you know, I wasn't um, a tenured faculty. I was an adjunct, and I was not really getting the type of studio classes that I would prefer to teach. Adjuncts kind of get what other people don't really want to teach. So it was a lot of sort of art appreciation and introductory things. And what sure. once in a while though required I, art classes. Right. I mean I did I did have a few that were more in depth and um you know, more studio classes that I really enjoyed. But anyway Did it, you did you teach elective art classes that were uh, you know, more with students who were more focused on on the content mm -hmm. and what they were doing, or yeah, yeah, I had a few like that. I remember I one semester I was uh, tapped to teach life drawing, which was uh, quite a challenge because there's a lot to know about figure drawing, and I just had to pedal pretty hard to keep up. But that was that was really good. I mean, I I, I truly enjoyed working in a studio setting with college students. Do you have repeat students in workshops where you, you feel like you do have more of that kind of ongoing progression with them? Yeah, good point. Yeah, I do. I really do have people who have, I I think my top person has come like eight times. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's a number of people that have come more than once and sometimes with a few years in between. And so uh, it's very interesting to see how they've kept at it, what they've come up with, how they've developed. Why did you start teaching in the first place in the university setting? I think that was um, kind of a practical need for a job. <laughs> you know, I, I just gotten out of graduate school and definitely needed some income. So, but actually, when I got away from it was realizing uh, I assume it's probably still similar, but adjuncts really make a pretty low salary. And when I started to sell my work, I realized if I sold a couple of paintings a semester, I could make what I had been doing uh, with my university paycheck. So it, it wasn't really a hard decision economically to step back and put my time into the studio. So teaching in that setting, at least, has to be for someone who, who really is passionate about working with students, not something simply to fill an economic void. I would say so. And, you know, I, it was kind of a hard decision to step away from it. I mean, I remember the first fall when classes started up again when I wasn't teaching and feeling a bit odd. like Because the thing about teaching, and you ask kind of why I got into it, there is another level to it, and it is that you know you're giving you're giving something, and the the life of a studio artist can be a little isolated, and it can feel kind of I don't know what the word is maybe self centered like you're just in your own little world and doing what you want to do, and I, that would honestly bother me at times, and I would think um, maybe I've got something 
to offer to people. And I had taught in graduate school, I was a, a teaching assistant, so I had taught there as well. And, you know, I could tell it was something that I did feel good about doing. I, I kind of, I enjoyed connecting with people like that. So when I when I gave up the university part of it, I, you know, there was a little bit of a hole there, although I, you know, was really busy and you guys are pretty young and, you know, it wasn't like I had time on my hands or anything, but um, yeah, so I think that desire to connect with people again helped when I got back into the, into workshop teaching much later. Yeah, it seems like you kind of entered workshops um later in life like it, it, there when you know when we were before we were born you were teaching and then once you had a family it kind of changed the whole dynamic and where you wanted to spend your time that's true yeah yeah so for a while it was just kind of you know i could i could fit it in as sort of a part-time job the workshop teaching though is the other thing you know one other thing that's really different about working at the university level is when you teach workshops you know you're in charge you're, you're you are your own boss, you make your own schedule, and you set your rates, and you do everything. And so there's this huge part of it that's uh, independent, you're self-employed. And that was a really appealing factor to me when I thought about getting back into it. <laughs> because as anybody who's taught university knows, you know, it's... Um, they always talk about the politics of certain, like the art department politics or whatever. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of personalities at play and there's a lot of um, obligations and committees and all kinds of things that, you know, you have to focus on. So workshop teaching, very freeing. It's, um, you know, really, uh, you know, you make it what you want to make it. Yeah. I've always found that whatever you're doing, um, you know, if you can find a way to do it on your own and work for yourself, there's a lot of risk involved and there's a lot of work involved, but it always seems to be more rewarding. Yeah. Well, I have to say, I, I do find, I, I mean, if I look back at the two different aspects of teaching that I've done, I do find the workshops far more rewarding in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm sure financially as well. Yes. And, it, you know, that was something I, I really had no idea about when I got started with it because, you know, there's, I call it workshop world. I mean, there's a whole world out there of people offering workshops and people taking workshops. I was completely unaware of it, honestly. And um, once you get involved in it, there are really a lot of opportunities. And you, once you get established, you really can kind of say, this is what I want to earn. This is my fee. And people, well, if they want to study with you, that's fine. I mean, you don't, you operate within uh, basic parameters that are reasonable and that other people are, are doing as well. Sure. And it's your reputation on the line. If you're not delivering a product that is worth that oh, money, yeah. then people aren't going to come back and they're not going to say nice things about you. <laughs> well, that's true. That's very true. So, yeah, it's like you make it or break it, and um, but I, you know, I have to say financially, I I've been really, you know, felt really good about it, and and I I didn't at first. I mean, I I started asking pretty low prices, as I think is appropriate when you're just starting. But once you have a following and you have people that want to come, you can start to get closer to what you feel you need to get because. 
you know, one of the things to take into consideration is the actual hours that you teach are minuscule compared to what you've put into preparing. And not just preparing the content, but all the registration, all the arranging, all the materials, everything you have to do to, to pull it off. Yeah, that's the downside of working for yourself, <laughs> right, right. that you have to do everything. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but you should be compensated for that. And and so um, it it's nice when you when you get to a point where you can, you know, pay yourself well for what you do. Well, and with the internet and everything that's happening in the world today, uh, you know, teaching is something that is becoming, um, you know, a, a growing section of the economy. Uh, and it's something that almost anybody can do if they have expertise in a certain area. You know, in your case, you've been doing this for decades. And that experience is very valuable to people who are just coming into yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I think that hits on an important point for people that are maybe listening to this and thinking, oh, I should teach a workshop. I think it's absolutely essential that whatever you're teaching, you know, you have to be really experienced with it. Like you said, the word expertise, that's, you don't get that um, quickly. It comes with experience and it's kind of a uh, unfortunate truth in the workshop world that there are people that teach uh, workshops after taking one or two workshops themselves in a topic, they feel, okay, now I'm ready to turn around and teach it to someone else. And I'm not saying that absolutely can't work because you will know more than your students do, but it's not really what people value in a workshop. They they want to feel like the instructor has uh, a wealth of knowledge and experience and, and whatever they ask or whatever comes up, the person that instructor will be able to pull something from their own experience and and address it so well and as you said when you first started teaching your prices were lower um you know teaching is a is a completely different animal from just doing art you know it's a it's a different skill set right and you gotta you gotta both be have experience in what you're teaching and in the the craft of teaching itself right and you have to start somewhere with teaching so I, i wouldn't say you can't teach unless you have teaching experience because that makes no sense. <laughs> no, but you need to be realistic about what you're expecting from your students and what you're expecting from yourself. Right, right. Yeah, so starting with maybe just a couple days and, you know, keep keep it affordable, keep it pretty modest and, um, and just, you know, realize you have a lot to learn, I guess. I mean, I look back at uh, early days and I think, oh, you know, I, I accepted situations and I I taught in ways that I wouldn't do now. And it just, because... Well, tell us about some of those early experiences uh, and, and the mistakes <laughs> that you made. Well, when I first started, I, you know... You don't have to reveal anything too embarrassing, no. <laughs> but... Well, you know, it's always funny. I think um, anybody who teaches workshops probably has a lot of stories that they can't share. But <laughs> 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 anyway, um, you know... I think I first, that's true of almost any job. Uh, probably. <laughs> The inside story, um, but when uh, when I first started with the workshops, like I said, uh, I didn't know what. At first, I didn't even know what topic to teach, and uh, let's just say that cold wax medium was. I mean, people have always been using it for decades, but the things, the approach that I use or what I ended up teaching was not at all known, and so, you know, 
starting with uh, without a base of people that were interested. So I had to, I I took a lot of um, uh, teaching gigs that were kind of questionable, just in the way they were set up. Maybe somebody would say uh, email me and say I have a I have a studio and I have some friends that want you to come and teach. Okay, um, and I remember a couple of those where the person would say, I, oh yeah, I've got a dozen people that want to come. And then when it gets right down to it, there's like five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the beginning, I I didn't even expect to get my travel covered. I would drive everywhere. Um, I would stay in people's houses, which was very lovely sometimes. And they're, you know, usually really nice people, but teaching is exhausting. And at the end of the day, you kind of you know, you need your quiet hotel room or something. But in the beginning, I didn't even ask for accommodation and I didn't get contracts. And, you know, I, I did have one unfortunate experience where, um, you know, I was expecting to be paid a certain amount and the person who had organized it just decided at the last minute that that wasn't going to happen oh, <laughs> for no particular reason. <laughs> I remember she said, but I made cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she did half the work. Yeah. She made cookies. <laughs> but, and, you know, I mean, things like that, you can look back and go, wow. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. You live and you learn and yeah. contracts are important and well, you have and to spell out. There's, there's a bit of a saying that, you know, anytime you start a business, you're going to pay for your education one way or the other, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is really true. And, you know, gradually as time went by and I, I started to connect with some really good, I, I guess I would call them venues. I mean, places that run workshops that that's their business to run workshops. Um, and once I started doing that, uh, it changed a little, became more professional, I think. And um, I should mention Kalawi Mountain Arts because that was a big breakthrough for me. And I was contacted when they were just starting their summer program, which has since really grown. This is in um, North Carolina, a summer program. And you know, I got in the first year I was asked to teach and um, I've taught with them for a long time and had really good experiences. And, you know, it's it's the difference between working with someone who who's organized and know the knows the ropes. And so I learned a lot doing that. And, um, you know, and, and gradually I've gotten a lot more, you know, just knowledge base. I know how to do it now and I can I can organize my own quite quite well. But in the beginning, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. So for somebody who's just starting out and thinking about a career in teaching, um, would you suggest starting with the university system? Or do you think that they could find a place in, in one of these programs teaching workshops? Um, you know, it's kind of apples and oranges. And, and, and in order to teach at the university, you do have to have a master's degree. So, you know, that kind of that's a pretty high bar. Sure. And a lot of people don't have an MFA. So, but, but assuming somebody did and they were thinking about where to put their energies, I don't know. I mean, there, are, there's a lot of things about the university system that um, are helpful. I mean, it's steady employment. It's pretty well paid. You get a pension when you retire, you can get tenure. I mean, all these things that are part of the 
that established situation it can can really be nice. You get health care. I mean, you know, it, it's you're stepping into a system that works. Um, the workshop world is, you know, it's just more entrepreneurial. I don't, and I, I'm not sure that you could really make the same income. You'd have to work very hard and teach, you know, workshop after workshop after workshop. And there's there's something about them that they are really exhausting, sure. <laughs> more so than just going, um, you know, and you get into a routine of teaching at a university. It's not that it isn't tiring, but you know, it's a it's a day to day job, and you kind of you you find ways to relax, and you find your rhythm with it. And a workshop experience is usually a very intensive few days. Well, and it seems like maybe in the workshop world, it, maybe it's not quite a prerequisite, but certainly having a reputation as a a uh, pr- you know, a producing artist, somebody right. who already has a career in art. Oh yeah, uh, is certainly a, a benefit in the workshop world. You know, for somebody who's coming out of school and they're they're kind of looking for how do I get started in mm-hmm. this? It kind of seems like you need to have a career in art first in order to teach workshops. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And I, I think when you're in the university system, you're also expected to be an active artist. So it's it's not that different, but. I think you can you can get a university position right out of graduate school without having to, as you say, like have a career that people could look to and say, ah, you know, this is somebody I want to learn from because she or he has been out there in the art world and they kind of know the ropes. Well, and isn't teaching at least as a as an assistant part of most graduate programs? Um, right, that's true. Um, teaching assistantships are they're you know, everywhere. <laughs> and and surprisingly, you know, at least where I went to school, I had a lot of responsibility. It wasn't just, I wasn't assisting in the sense that the teacher, the main teacher was even in the room ever. <laughs> so uh, I was basically handed a class. And, you know, if I had questions, I, I could go for advice. But um, that was kind of sink or swim. <laughs> I hope I did okay. I don't know. You know, and that that's an example of you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think I had the experience to really be doing a good job. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere and get you that do. experience somehow. <laughs> you do. I, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's part of the system. That's, I guess it works. But I, I was pretty uncomfortable with it when I was asked to do it. So I think um, when you, if you're thinking about, and teaching workshops, you have to find your your level of self assurance that you are on your own, and um, you don't have any backup. And so, you know, you got to make it work. Are there any qualities in an individual that you think are really essential to be a good teacher? Yeah, there's quite a few actually. <laughs> I think it's a pretty long list. Um, <laughs> that was a pretty o- big open question, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah, you can't be a jerk, okay? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like personality is important, and it the personality in the sense of being um, being uh, open and generous, and actually, you know, really liking people and wanting to listen to people, and um, being flexible. I think is really important because you never, you know, there are a lot of things that come up that could, um, 
you could you could switch the schedule around or you could decide you're going to teach this thing first because it seems to be what people need. So being being very sensitive, I think, to uh, the needs of individuals as well as the group <clears throat> and trying to to really understand individual people. Like it's not just your class. It's a class of eight, 10, 12 individual people and they're all there for different reasons with different backgrounds. And so I think the more that you can do to to be human and just interact and, and really, like I said, listen, it's so important. People will people will tell you things and they'll they'll talk around things and not say things. But if you're kind of if you can pick up on what they're after, it's it's Yeah, helpful. there's something really powerful about about listening and it's it's one of the reasons why I really wanted us to do a podcast. You know, there's when that mm-hmm. that act of listening and speaking and communicating through through the ear canal, you know, there's something I think really powerful about yeah. that form of communication. Yeah, it it's something, you know, I think if you're trying to be an instructor and you're not listening, you're really missing out on a lot of what people people have to offer. And the truth is you also learn things from your students and you can't always just think you're in charge and you know everything. It's like, no way. Always admit if you don't know something or you have a question. Yeah. And and I, one thing I, I like about teaching is uh, students will sometimes say, oh, have what would happen if I did this or that, if I mix these two things together or if I use this kind of surface or whatever? And you could say, and I don't maybe, know, try it. <laughs> exactly. And it's fun. That, that often comes up during a demo when I'm showing different things and somebody will say, but what if you did that? I'll say, oh, well, let's try it, you know, and I just like that um, back and forth interaction. That's exciting. Yeah. And you get to be with them at that point of discovery and yeah. share that with yeah. them. And there's a lot of discovery that goes on in the workshop and people learn from each other as much as from me sometimes. I mean, they, um, I think they learn a lot of stuff from each other about just sticking with it, being patient, um, and just explaining things to one another. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of things that go on that are not coming from me in a workshop, and that's that's really nice. Yeah, I suppose the workshop depends a whole lot on on the group of people that you're working with and and how they work with each other. It does, and and I mean there. Are, sometimes the groups are there's just some kind of magic going on. You know, everybody's kind of um, really liking each other, talking and helping each other and it doesn't always happen i think it tends to happen more when it's a longer class or it's in a place where people are all staying in the same place so they're not scattering you know at five o'clock and going to their hotel or their home but they're actually probably eating together and staying up at night and talking and that sort of thing can really bond a group but you know i've had I've had groups in all situations that were really good and and other times you know they they can be thrown off by a difficult personality or something something can be a little off but I always think you know my job is is to teach teach what I teach and 
um, you know, they're all adults. And if there are personality things going on, you know, they're going to they're going to figure it out and work it out. So, yeah. Has there ever been something in a workshop where it just derailed the whole workshop? And <laughs> fortunately, no, <laughs> no, there's never been anything that bad. It's usually just kind of minor I don't know, little personality things. Usually I'm mm. not even that aware of them. I just, maybe somebody later will say, oh, so-and-so was really difficult to work with or something. And um, and then sometimes, you know, I pick up on it, but it's, I you know, I don't want to emphasize that because, uh, you know, almost like without exception, they're, they're happy groups and they're people that, they may not come in feeling comfortable, I think it's really people take a risk when they come to a workshop, especially if they're fairly new uh, at art, and they'll look around and say, "Wow, you know, everybody else is really together, and I'm not," you know. <laughs> and I've I've had people confess to me later that they were just petrified the first time, the first day, <laughs> especially when and, they got to show other people their work and talk about it. And oh yeah, there's no hiding, you know. Yeah. And and they don't know me; they don't know if I'm going to be you know, aloof or difficult in some way. And really, it all that usually almost always by the second day or even the late in the first day, it's gone. You know, people are okay. They they do go through a lot of frustration, though. I mean, that I, I often notice a sort of an arc of, it doesn't even matter how long the workshop is. It, the beginning, people are are fresh in the middle they get frustrated and bogged down and i always i sometimes i joke and i say uh in the middle of the workshop you know whether it's three days or seven days uh, you're probably gonna you're gonna hate your work you're gonna hate me you know and you're gonna be all grumpy but you know i've you're seen in it before, that second so act of that three act play you know? <laughs> right right <laughs> and uh, i say well you know i've it's okay uh don't I, it does not not going to bother me, but I know it's going to be hard for you. So I try to actually prepare people for that because it's so common mm. that, um, and sometimes people will joke with me later and they'll say, oh, you know, that what, what we talked about that night after class, you know, it's like, <laughs> what was, what was, what was she talking about? How come she keeps pushing us to do this or that? So um, they, people need to vent or whatever. And then by the end, I mean, honestly, there've been very, very few people in all the classes I've taught that weren't feeling pretty good by the end and having something that they felt they'd accomplished or learned. And so, you know, it, it always ends well, but there can be this kind of, well, somebody else called it like um, the sort of a life cycle. You know, you start out as a young child and you're all fresh and excited and then you enter the grumpy teenage years <laughs> and then a couple days later you emerge as a mature adult. So <laughs> it, it's... It's an interesting cycle just to see it over and over. And sometimes the people that suffer the most and have the most trouble are more experienced artists because oh, they sure. have high expectations. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're established in what they already do and, and trying to push them to yeah. do different things can be difficult. And Yeah, and they, they you know, often feel that well, you know, I'm, I'm an experienced artist and here's a new technique or something. And yeah, I'm sure I'll pick it up right away, you know. And the fact is what I teach is not easy. And um, so, you know, that sometimes 
you know, I have to, I just acknowledge to people. I say, I know you've shown me your work. I know, I know what you do and I know you're really good at it. And this is something completely different. And so, you know, have a little patience with yourself. Well, I, I think we have a lot more to talk about with this. We're probably going to have to do another episode on it. That sounds good. I definitely want to hear about what's, what's, uh, you know, in store for you in the future and, um, you know, the different kind of forms that your teaching is going to be taking on. Yeah. Um, but I think that we're going to have to do another episode on that. Um, so that, that wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find Rebecca Kroll on Facebook. Make sure to check out www.coldwaxbook.com and www.rebeccacroll.com and sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment and uh, a little bit of advice and uh, wisdom. Um, Also, remember, subscribe on iTunes and rate and review the show, Um, especially since we're in our first few episodes. That's really important for us. Um, But, uh, you know, until next week. Embrace your creative space. Messy or otherwise. (laughs) Thanks a lot. 